But what really lit people's eyes was when they realized, and when I realized in, in this journey, trying to figure out how does this work and how can people take action, it's like I realized, oh, there's a difference between effort to perform and effort to improve. And they're both really important, but most of us are stuck in chronic performance. Welcome to Chain of Learning, where the links of leadership and learning unite. This is your connection for actionable strategies and practices to empower you to build a people-centered learning culture, get results, and expand your impact so that you and your team can leave a lasting legacy. I'm your host and fellow learning enthusiast, Katie Anderson. Have you ever felt burnt out and exhausted from the constant pressure to perform, to achieve, to get it right? Is your organization putting a lot of effort into initiatives and projects, but you're finding that you and your team are working on the same problem year after year without actual improvement? If so, you and your team might be stuck in the performance paradox, where a constant focus on performance, on getting things done as best you know how, and trying to minimize mistakes actually leads to lower performance. The secret to high performance is not actually working harder, but learning better. It's about knowing how to balance our time between the performance zone, where we focus on perfection, and the learning zone, where we focus on leading with curiosity, experimentation, and a growth mindset. In my discussion with Eduardo Briseño on this episode of Chain of Learning, we focus on just that, how you can turn a growth mindset into action and how you can create the organizational conditions that result in a learning culture where a focus on the process of learning is the way to achieve high performance. My guest, Eduardo Briseño, is a global keynote speaker, facilitator, and author who guides many of the world's leading companies in developing cultures of learning and high performance. His TED Talks, How to Get Better at the Things You Care About and The Power of Belief, have been viewed over 9 million times collectively. Earlier in his career, Eduardo co-founded Mindset Works with Stanford professor Carol Dweck, who is my guest on episode three of Chain of Learning, which I encourage you to listen to if you haven't already. Eduardo was the CEO of Mindset Works, which was the pioneer in bringing growth mindset strategies into organizations. Eduardo and I share a passion for the connection between learning and leadership. I've been following his work on how to apply a growth mindset in practice and how to create learning cultures since we first met over 15 years ago when he and my husband were in graduate school together. When I learned earlier this year that Eduardo was releasing a book, The Performance Paradox, I was thrilled to get an early copy and I immediately reached out to invite him to join me here on Chain of Learning. We started our conversation with my question to Eduardo, asking him, what the performance paradox is, and how it impacts our ability to actually perform and achieve our goals. Let's dive in. The performance paradox is the counterintuitive reality that if all we do is perform, our performance suffers. And you talk about that, Katie, right? We have, we are addicted to doing, doing, doing. One big aha that I had at some point learning from Carol Dweck's research and Anders Ericsson and other people's research is that I had assumed that the way to learn and to improve and to succeed was just to work hard, to go to work, do your best, try to do everything as best as you could. And what I realized eventually was that there's actually two different forms of effort. There's effort to improve, which I call the learning zone. 
and effort to do things and perform uh, and at our best. And I call it a performance zone. Uh, so how do we habituate and put into our systems, not just systems for performance, but also systems for learning, which is something you talk a lot about. That's the way to overcome the performance paradox. Since uh, we're connected to Carol as well, I'm really interested, and you've worked with her so closely for many years. I'm really curious about how you, the connections between and the differences as well between the concept of uh, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset that Carol you know, put forward in her book, Mindset, as well as your concept of these performance paradox in the learning zone. Growth mindset is a belief, right? It's the belief that people can change. It's the belief that our abilities and qualities are malleable and we can develop them. And that's really important for us to be motivated learners, to be people who evolve. If we don't believe that we can change, then we won't do anything to change. But the belief that we can change is necessary, but it's not sufficient. In, in addition to believing that we can change, we need to know how to change. We need to know how to improve. We need to know that it's not just about working hard and doing our best. We need to understand learning strategies like experimentation or feedback or reflecting on mistakes. And that's where the learnings are in the performance zone come in. It's about, well, how do you change and how do you improve? That know-how is what the learnings on the performance zone are. Is how do you take action? But that's tied also to a growth mindset, to a belief that you can change, because the more you understand how to change, the more that you can deeply understand that you can change so that they reinforce each other. When you mentioned in the book that the learning zone requires intention, can you expand on that and, and sort of how that relates to us moving between sort of that performance zone and when we should be in that learning zone? Yeah, you know, we need to be deliberate about improvement. Uh, and so we can, for example, look at a, a way to really kind of clearly understand this might be to look at domains where somebody's skill is really, really clear. And so, for example, in sports, you can see who are the best people in the world at what they do. And we can examine how do they become so good. So we might think that the way somebody becomes a great tennis player is by playing tennis 10,000 hours and then you'll become great. But actually, if you just go and play tennis with other people, you'll get better when you're a novice. When you're starting out, you'll, you'll hit the ball more, you'll get more in the court more. But once you become like proficient, just going out on weekends and playing games won't get you better. You know, you might work really hard trying to play games all the time, a lot of hours, and you won't get better. In order to get better, you need to be deliberate about improvement. So what does that mean? You know, when you're playing a game, you're trying to win points. If you're having trouble with a particular move, you're going to avoid that move during that match. But then after the match, when you're focused on improvement, when your intention is to improve, then you'll say, okay, this move that I was avoiding in the game, I'm going to actually work on that right now. And that involves a very different activity than what we do when we're performing. So the game is a performance zone and working with a coach or in deliberate practice, that would be a learning zone. So we have to be deliberate about improvement. And that involves activities that are different from just doing, doing, doing and getting the work done. Yeah, that you speak so much to uh, what I've been talking with a lot of leadership teams and individual leaders about where we're stuck in this culture of doing, where we always feel like we have to be performing or achieving or being the, the person with all the right answers or being the expert out there. How have you personally, you share a lot of great stories in the book come to realize your own sort of struggle with this performance paradox? And what are some things that helped you move into more of this learning zone with a growth mindset? Yeah, so when I, before I started working with Carol, you know, before I went to graduate school with your husband, John, 
I was stuck in chronic performance and it's still, you know, in some parts of my life, I still am stuck in chronic performance. But back then it was all about proving, right? It was all about showing that I was competent. And so I was pretending to know what I didn't know. I, when I was unsure about something, I was pretending to be sure. Kind of like in, I, I think about high school debate teams where, you know, kids are, are told to like make the case for something and be sure of yourself. And it's like, is that really what we want in the world so for people to pretend to be sure? And so that's what I was doing at work. It was creating a lot of stress. It was creating a lot of feeling of not being authentic. And, and I got physically sick. Um, and and I, I thought, though, that, you know, I was, I was getting great reviews. I was, you know, getting great feedback from the, the leaders in my organization to, that I was doing a great job. And so I thought that was the way to succeed, right? The way to succeed is just to try to look as good as possible and then somehow you'll get better. And so, for example, when I received feedback, I would react defensively and I would, you know, make excuses for myself and I would not like it and I, would, I wouldn't solicit feedback for sure, but um, I would think that this person was, didn't know what they were talking about. And so in understanding, in studying, how does learning happen and how, how do people actually improve? I realized that all these behaviors were problematic and, and it, it was in helping to understand what are the learning strategies that are effective and then engaging in those behaviors, even when it became uncomfortable, even when, you know, it felt uncomfortable to receive feedback and to reflect on it, um, still doing the behavior. And then over time, the, the mental models change and the emotions change. And then I wanted feedback and then I wanted all these behaviors because they, they lead to better relationships. They lead to better, less, less anxiety. They lead to definitely improvement and better achieving our goals. So you see the benefits and then you kind of lean into it more over time. That was my experience. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a I'm a high achiever. I'm my two Clifton Strengths top uh, attributes are learner and achiever. So you know I have to <laughs> really balance those two. I have a growth mindset, but I also want to achieve. And I really resonate with this concept of the difference between the performance zone and the learning zone, and how we can bring that together. Eduardo, you and I have talked um, previously about you know what inspired you to write this book and some of the challenges that you were experiencing in helping organizations bring a growth mindset into their company culture. And I'd love for you to share with everyone listening here about some of those ahas that you had about the challenges and how that then led to putting together this concept of the performance paradox. Sure. I mean, first, I started working with Carol Dweck in 2007, shortly after her book had come out, which she wrote the book to bring awareness of growth mindset into the mainstream, which, you know, at the time, nobody had heard about. And it's amazing how much she has been able to do that. So we were doing this work and doing talks and workshops. And for the first few years, we focused only on schools and helping schools uh, become uh, growth minded and, and build learning cultures. And then we started getting more and more kind of interest from businesses. And I had a business background. So then I started doing a lot of the workshops with business leaders and they wanted, you know, okay, that's, this is really interesting what a growth mindset is and how it affects us psychologically. So they really liked the experiences and the learning experiences, but they wanted more about how, how do I take action? And so I started trying to figure out like, how, how can I help people more, like figure out how to take action? And some of the things that I tried originally didn't work as well. Like a lot of the, for example, originally I, I leaned into kind of deliberate practice, Anders Ericsson's work, which is really, really powerful, 
but it's really not that practical in terms of most people's everyday situation is where they have so much to do. They have a lot of skills that are involved in their work. And so the idea of spending a half hour working on a very narrow skill only on improvement doesn't seem feasible for, for a lot of professionals. And so they, again, found it to be really interesting to understand that improvement is different than, than performing, but they still were looking for something something that they could act upon the next day. So I iterated with lots of different frameworks and some of them were helpful, like trying to better understand different kinds of mistakes, which is also in the book. Um, but what really lit people's eyes was when they realized, and when I realized in, in this journey, trying to figure out how does this work and how can people take action? It's like, I realized, oh, there's a difference between effort to perform and effort to improve, and they're both really important, but most of us are stuck in chronic performance all the time. And here's the difference. And so that led to lots of insights and lots of conversations and lots of thinking about, okay, how can we lead in order to lead a, a culture of learning so that we can perform better and achieve more? And so that was that was a breakthrough, but it was it came through iteration and, and me seeking to learn myself and grow, which is, of course, something that I continue to do. What's the harm or the impact if you as an individual or you have a team that's always stuck in this performance zone? Yeah, in the performance zone, we we stagnate. So our, our skills remain at the same level. Our understanding remains at the same level in a world that's continuing to change, right? And so we let, get left behind because the world is changing. We're, we're not improving very much. And so we, we are left behind. That also leads to increased anxiety because you know it's, we don't have a way to deal with the big change. And if we want to grow and we want to succeed, we don't have a, a path to success other than you know trying to do things as best as we know how, trying to minimize mistakes. But that's not working. And then we don't have another another alternative. I mean, depending on how deep into chronic performance people are that can also lead to problems with kind of relationships where we're not actually like asking questions and listening to each other and learning how to collaborate better. So that can lead to conflict. It can lead to poor collaboration. So when we figure out what are the habits and systems that we can use to embed learning, but also performing, both are important. Then we, we can get to know each other better, learn how to collaborate better, and learn better about our customers, right? Be more customer-centric to figure out what do customers need, what are their unmet need needs, how can we better serve those needs, and how can we drive change? You know, most companies are trying to create something that doesn't exist. So that involves experimentation. Some of the things will, will work and some of them won't work. And so it's the process that leads to success. And sometimes people are like, leaders sometimes might be afraid to model some of these learning behaviors because they might feel that other people will lose confidence in them, that other people will think that they're not competent, that they don't already know. But actually, these are the behaviors that lead to success, right? And so we need to work on our own mental models and help other people shift their mental models so that we understand that when we be all behave in this way, we actually achieve more and grow more. Yeah, absolutely. One of the suggestions I give to leaders who are trying like something new, it might feel awkward is, is tell people what you're doing and why. And it really, it models the way. And also like, if you're starting to ask more questions when they're used to you giving all the answers, you know, it takes away those assumptions of maybe malintent and says, oh, my intention is I really want to hear what you're thinking. So I'm going to try asking some questions and I'd love your feedback afterwards. And even just saying that opens up creates that foundation for that learning and growth and that it is okay 
for us all to be to be learning. But I, that feels uncomfortable. Yes, but I agree with you that that makes it more comfortable. Uh, and I think what what people are doing when we think about that is you're making the implicit explicit. Like if you if you're asking a question, you're doing it for a reason. And what you're saying, you need to make that reason that you have explicit to the other person so that they interpret your behavior in the way that you want it to to be interpreted. Like for example, if you if you solicit feedback because you understand that Olympic gold medalists like use feedback all the time to get better, and that's what you have in your mind. You solicit feedback. The other person might have a different idea of feedback. They might think that feedback is something that people who are incompetent, you know, need, or people who are insecure. And so, if you say, "I'm a big fan of feedback," or you set the stage, you're saying, "Hey, like we want to create a culture of feedback for these reasons." Then you help people interpret these behaviors in the way that you intend. There are a few things I want to uh, dive into a little bit more deeply. The the first one is around uh, with a lot of organizations I work for. They don't feel like they, they they may personally have this growth mindset or feel passionate like all the about learning uh, continuous improvement practitioners or leaders who are trying to create this culture. But we don't have the time. We don't have the time to slow down. We that we need to perform. We need to be doing. We have like these high pressure situations where they don't feel like there's time to be in a learning zone. What advice do you have to help break that cycle and and start moving towards more learning and growth? That's one of the biggest by far challenges that come up. And, and sometimes people have the sense that I don't have time to learn because I have to perform too much. I have too much to do. So the first step is to really come to see that if you don't figure out a way to embed learning into your habits, you're going to perform less, right? And so there's a lot of research and data that shows that the people who perform the most, the highest, they figure out a way to embed learning, right? At the same time, the performance zone is the way to maximize immediate performance and the short-term performance. So if it's the last week of the quarter and you're a salesperson and you want to meet quota or you're in, at the last week of a project that is at peril, you have to just get it done, it might be reasonable for you to just be in the performance zone that week and, and just focus on getting the work done. And that's reasonable. But if we do that every week, then our performance will suffer, right? And so that's the first thing to think, to, to, to realize. And so the, re the question is, given all these things that we have to do, how do we embed learning? And I would suggest that we want to start with doing things that are easy to do, don't take a lot of time, but are very frequent so that we're building small habits that are shifting our thinking. Uh, so for example, it might be soliciting feedback after our meetings or after our presentation, something that doesn't take a lot of time. But every time that we do that little behavior, we are shifting our thinking to become more of learners. And then what happens is that what we pay attention to during the day as we get the work done shifts. So you, there's research on people in brain scan machine, for example, the people who, who believe that they can get smarter when they're solving problems inside, inside of the brain scan machine, their brain pays attention much more to the mistakes that they make so that they can figure out what they can learn from those mistakes versus people who are in a fixed mindset who believe that intelligence is fixed. They tend to not think about those things, not pay attention to those things, but just pay attention to how well they're doing. And so the, they're all solving problems, but some of them are paying attention to what they can learn and others are not. And so what we want is as we go about our daily basis, what, to getting work done, you know, learning while doing. We want to pay attention, like do small experiments, pay attention to what we can learn, ask questions that we can learn from. That doesn't take a lot of time, but it, it involves a shift in thinking. And so the way to shift that thinking is to start doing 
habits that are easy, quick to do, but very frequent. Yes. And that goes back to that comment that you made that being in that learning zone requires intention and, and purpose. And, and I talk a lot about how we have to be intentional about our practice and really identify, you know, what's the impact we want to have and what are the behaviors that are really going to align with that. And I encourage people, just like you said, to start with something small, like setting a few key things out each day that they're going to practice with intention. And then just a quick reflection at the end of the day, how did I do? Or at the end of that meeting, how did I do? So it doesn't feel like, as you said, to sit down for 30 minutes and do this practice, but how do we bring in that micro intention and reflection as we go through it through the day? Totally. I love that. I agree. So we're talking about how do we build more of this uh, learning mindset and, and learning zone creation in our organization. So one of the, the things we just explored is that, you know, that feeling like we don't have time because we need to be performing or we have all these urgent things going on as well. Another challenge is a lot of leaders feel like they do need to, like they've gotten to a senior leadership role. And so they're expected to be the person with all the answers or be that expert. And so maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a false sense of being in this performance zone. How do you help leaders who are sort of feeling like they, they're supposed to be out there and sort of perfect already, or maybe not perfect, maybe they don't have that sense, but like, you know, they're the leader, they should already have been accomplished. How do you help them learn to lead in a different way while, while still leading at the same time? One key thing to think about is that if we want to foster a culture of learning where people are acting as learners, then sometimes leaders feel like you're describing and they might engage in learning privately. They might do it in their office or, or at home or with their executive coach when their teammates or the people they lead are not watching. And so the people that they lead are perceiving them as a know-it-all, as someone who has all the answers and who is sure and don't doesn't need to continue to work on themselves. And and the, it, when that happens, when we when we speak about the importance of learning, but other people perceive us as a know-it-all, our actions will speak louder than our words. And so, if the leader wants to create a culture of learning where everybody is a learner, then our actions that other people see have to match our words. Otherwise, we're not going to be successful in our aim to build a learning culture. And so that's something to grapple with. And a, a challenge that comes up is, you know, people might feel like other people will lose confidence in them or in their organization if they're saying that I can get better, right? Uh, that I don't have all the answers. Uh, so, so, so we need to grapple with, and this takes time, changing our mental models, with the idea that you know the best people in the world they continue to work to improve themselves whether it is you know olympic gold medalists or you know the top scientists or whoever it is and so reflecting on that and reflecting that collaborative learning is a lot more powerful than individual learning when we are getting other people's ideas and perspectives and and perceptions and learning from them and learning with them uh, we become a lot more powerful so in grappling with those questions i think then then leaders can, in you know, when they're reflecting, they can set an intention like you're talking about of what are the behaviors that I need to do in order to be successful, and and those behaviors are going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be difficult. So like so so choosing one right and and choosing kind of maybe if then plans where maybe what are the triggers that put me into a behavior that I that is problematic that I want to change. What are those cues? So how do I want to how do I want to behave differently when that cue happens? And when that cue happens. The initial reaction 
which is a quick reaction. It's an emotional reaction. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's not a rational reaction. And so we need to first set the if-then plan. And then when the cue happens, we need to pause and let, you know, slow down like you talk about and shift from an emotional reaction to a cognitive reaction. So we do the behavior we want to do, even if it feels uncomfortable. Absolutely. I, I talk often and I learned this from my mom, who's a therapist that, you know, we can either be reactive or proactive. And it's how do we take that my, that pause so that we shift things for us so that we're not just responding, but we're being purposeful and aligning those actions with the impact we really want to have. And we're, we're all imperfect and we have those natural human responses, but when we put more intention to it, we can get better at addressing that and sort of controlling it sooner. I'm curious too, Eduardo, you know, the process of writing a book is a complicated and uh, a learning process into itself. What's one thing that you learned more deeply through the process of, of writing the performance paradox? I learned so many things about the process of writing the book, about the content, the concepts, the frameworks. I mean, I interviewed over a hundred people. I, I reviewed lots of research. I just in trying to put together the illustration, more illustrations in the book, I had to figure out what could I illustrate. And that helped me evolve my thinking. I could talk about so many things, but one example of something that an insight that I had in, as I was interviewing people is before I wrote the book, I always spoke about modeling learning as just just like I did now, but th there's more nuance to it than I described. So we talk about modeling learning as engaging in the behaviors that we want others to do. It, but I realized in interviewing people that that's not exactly right always. Uh, so when, when we are, especially when we're first building a culture, if say, for example, a leader wants other people to challenge you know to come up with different ideas that are in the room then the leader can't lead with that with like disagreeing with other people all the time and challenging other people all the time because of the hierarchy they're seen differently and so the concept that i came up with i call it asymmetrical modeling where if you want other people to challenge then you need to sit back and ask questions and say does anybody have a different perspective and after they engage in those behaviors they need to reward it and say this is what we want to do more of Right? And that's a little bit different than doing exactly the behaviors you want to see in others. So that's just one example of how my thinking should change. But there's so many different examples about the subject matter, but also about the, the process of writing the book, which was my first time. Yes, lots to learn in writing books, having written and published on one as well. But it's so great to be able to share that process and to apply your own thinking to the process of doing something as well. So what's your final piece of advice for people who are really like leading change in organizations who are trying to cultivate this culture of, of learning and growth and who might not be in, uh, they either may be in a, a senior leadership position, but maybe they're leading from the middle. What's one thing that you would, I guess, advise them to help really start to build and create this, this culture that can continue to grow? Well, probably like, a next step might depend on a couple of like conditions and what people see as the greatest opportunity. But I, 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 just first a comment that, as you know, like habituating the learning zone, the performance zone, not only changes the outcomes, but also the process. And, you know, it makes life more joyful and more fulfilling. So that's, that's a big part of the benefit that you talk about as well. But I guess two possibilities of how people could take action to consider. One is one that you mentioned, which is just identifying what do I want to improve and 
reminding myself every morning of what that is. And maybe like you said, at the end of the day, doing a quick reflection on how that went. Just reminding ourselves of our intention to improve and how is going to help us grow, but also change our thinking over time. So that's kind of an individual action. The other thing to consider is to start conversations with your teammates, is to bring like a video or an article or something to your to your teammate and say, hey, like, I just thought that this was interesting. I wonder what other people think. Maybe people can review it before a meeting and say, how are we doing with regards to this culture of learning or culture of feedback or learning zone or lean mindset, whatever it is. And is there an opportunity for us to get better at this? Do we want to work on this together? And if so, what is there a step that we can take as a team, just one piece that we can work on together and start those conversations? And I think that's a great, great way we get started because then when we engage people around those, first of all, people love this stuff. When they when they learn this stuff, they gravitate toward it. They might say, oh my God, there's all these challenges, there's fear or there's, there's time, but they want it. And so start the conversations and start the collaboration and that makes everything so much easier and more successful for everybody. That's a great uh, piece of advice to end on. And it really connects to this concept of the chain of learning. So how do you connect and collaborate with people to build this learning chain together and that create foster that learning zone where it's okay to always not always be performing, but to be learning so that we're better at performing as well. So thank you, Eduardo, for being here today. How can listeners get in touch with you or learn more about you and your work? Uh, my website is briseno.com, my last name, B-R-I-C-E-N-O.com. I have a monthly newsletter. I'm active on LinkedIn. And my book is The Performance Paradox, available wherever books are sold. Well, thank you so much for being here on Chain of Learning. Thank you, Katie, for having me. I learned so much from this conversation with Eduardo. I've put links to his book, The Performance Paradox, which I highly recommend for leaders and continuous improvement professionals alike, and his contact information in the show notes. I've also included more detailed information and additional links and learning resources on this episode's webpage, chainoflearning.com slash five. And reflecting on our conversation, there were a few key insights that really stood out to me. One is that a growth mindset, a belief that we can change and improve, isn't sufficient to actually improve and grow. You need to know how to change, to improve, and to learn. And that the people and the organizations who perform the most and the best are the ones who put a focus on learning. I also really appreciate the concept of the performance paradox and how one of the biggest barriers to us having high performance is actually an overfocus on performing. And that I can really relate to this for my own self and some of the traps that I've gotten into and how the sense of being a high achiever or focusing on our outcomes and results, the very things that Eduardo shared about himself have been the things that have limited me. And so when we can focus more on learning and growth, we actually get better at performing. And the third takeaway that really resonated with me was Eduardo's closing comment that our life is more joyful and fulfilling when we can get out of this trap of doing and the pressure to always be performing at the highest level. And we can balance our efforts on more learning, both for ourselves and for our teams and organizations. So figuring out how to balance the performance zone and the learning zone is the key to success for us as individuals and organizations. During this conversation, Eduardo and I both suggested a few tips for how you can embed some of these micro habits that support learning and improvement for yourself 
and also to develop a learning culture in your team and organization, such as setting an intention for your own improvement each day and actively reflecting on how you did, asking for feedback, modeling and praising effective learning behaviors for your team to be successful, making the invisible visible by sharing your learning and your struggles with others, and starting conversations with your team about how you collectively are getting better at getting better. So reflect on these tips and on this conversation and set an intention for your practice to get better. What are you going to do to create more micro-learning habits and balance your performance zone with the learning zone? And what is one thing that you can do this week to help foster more learning in your team or organization? And be sure to check out other episodes of Chain of Learning, where I explore many of these concepts about how to create better learning for yourself and your organization, including episode three for my conversation with Carol Dweck, where we dive into the connection between a growth mindset, success, and cultures of continuous improvement. And episode four, where I explore how your focus on doing and achieving can get in the way of being and the impact you want to have. Thanks again for being a link in my chain of learning today. Be sure to follow or subscribe Chain of Learning Now and share this podcast with your friends or colleagues so we can all strengthen our chain of learning together. See you next time.